this episode of the Keeping It Local podcast. I'm Dennis Junk. With me, as always, is my partner in crime, Alicia Pyle. Hey there. And today we're talking with Matt Kelly. He owns One Lucky Guitar and The B-Side, and he's a musician himself. So how are you, Matt? I'm well, and I'm happy to be part of this. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, of course. All right, so let's jump right in. One Lucky Guitar is a marketing firm, and you're a musician as well. What's it like kind of balancing the two and wearing the different hats? Yeah, well, here at OLG, so we've been... Uh, at 1301 Lafayette for 14 years now. A couple months ago was our 14th it's year here. really cool building. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. It's tough to uh, find sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we're on the near southeast side of downtown, but it's been, started the company 18 years ago, I've been here 14 years, and this space and being part of downtown's momentum has been like, I think, intrinsic to OLG. Mm-hmm. And we've always been interested in arts, culture, music. The name really comes from our earliest work was for musicians, record labels. Oh, wow. uh, and it's still like with that spirit that we approach the more commercial work that we do now. And that early network we had with musicians and record labels is what led to us being able to do the B-side as we had connections in the industry and we would see artists that were touring through that we had done some work for at mm-hmm. one point or another and there wasn't a great venue for them in Fort Wayne. And so we said, well, we don't have a venue, but we have a office that we can move the desks That's awesome. <laughs> and even then set up pillows not even chairs at that point what does that you know make a living room uh, show vibe and that's how we started doing the b-side so we literally like stepped from one lucky guitars office into the b-side <laughs> right, and it's, right. it's what do they call those now is that part of, oh my gosh my friend used to host host them all the time hope where they would be in the living room yeah that the living room tours and hope's played here and hope's like that's a whole you're talking about um, hope Arthur. there's an actual name for that though and it's escaping me i feel so goofy yeah about house that. shows house shows yeah, yeah yeah and that's a whole i mean that's a it's cottage a industry game. now yeah, it's and a, a lot of musicians what you'll see is a lot of folks who were in bands who are singer-songwriters that don't want the expense of touring with the band or yeah. the rigmarole, right? Because you've got load-in, sound check, payouts. Oh, we know. Logistics, <laughs> right? They want to just do their songs for an audience that's Appreciate there it. for them. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great... Well, it's a great little industry. It reminds me of the, the Indian music. You were talking about the classical music where they'd have the big houses and the, everybody would just flood in. And it's like in somebody's house, yeah. but they play all day. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I got to imagine, too, and we, we came to a show at the B-Side and it was just a more quiet and more intimate <laughs> setting. Yes. And it was just, if you don't want to go to a bar and hear loud music and scream, trying to scream at each other yeah. while you're there and whoever you're with to talk to them, you focus more on the music. So I can see why the musicians would like that, too. Yeah, I think the word of mouth has been tremendous for us so you know folks will sometimes ask how we book artists and and for starters we don't book anyone we don't like because Mm -hmm. this isn't really a money-making endeavor for us so and we like to have just this kind of seal of quality um but the word of mouth is so strong we'll get approached about probably four to five times for any show that we actually book because folks say man if you go to this room in Fort Wayne like people are going to hang on every word Mm -hmm. they're going to be appreciative that you're in their city rather than taking it for granted and Dennis, like you said, we're not a bar, so there's not really, a, yeah, you know, there's not a lot of uh, we don't have NFL games on the TV. <laughs> yeah. We don't have clanking. We don't have, you know, I mean, I get, there's probably flirting, I suppose, but there's not like you're not here <laughs> in danger of being picked up, you know, which is unless you want to be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw you sitting back yeah. a couple of rows. Yeah. yeah, and we start, you know, like we just start at a reasonable time, which is to say if you want to go catch a show or uh, have a cocktail after, you'll have time to do that because the show's probably going to be done at 10.30, 10.45. Yeah. Or if you want to call it night at that point, it's still, like, I think reasonable. So It's for people who are just more chill. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us about your own music. 
Yeah, so uh, I play in a band called the Legendary Train Hoppers, mm-hmm. and we uh, are a six-piece Americana band. Originally formed in 2005 out of three different bands that were really kind of on the circuit, mainly playing covers but doing some original music, and that was a band I was in. It was called Go Dog Go. A couple of the guys were in the Brown Bottle Band and then um, the Matthew Stern Band. And at that time, it was harder to find venues in Fort Wayne to play original music. And so even though we were making our own music and recording albums, we'd play at Columbia Street West, and you were kind of responsible for about a four-hour set on a Friday or Saturday. Yeah. And so, you know, you'd say, hey, here's a couple from our new album. And (laughs) it wasn't like the best thing for Friday at 12.45 (laughs) a.m. But we all craved, you know, that side of being in a band you know, and creating something new and so mm-hmm. the name comes from I, I found this my aunt is a amateur genealogist and gave each of us in the family this kind of uh, scrapbook of our family's story and my great grandfather was in a band there's a photo from 1905 it was 100 years before five guys that you know crooked hats string band and it just photo just captivated me and i thought what would those guys sound like if they were making music today so is he playing guitar he was a mandolin player yeah and he there was some like tall tale in there that he contributed a verse to wabash cannonball and they looked like they (laughs) fell off a train and so i thought well maybe that we didn't know what was the band's name we thought maybe the band's name was the train hoppers and let's form that band 100 years later and that's what we did and we did it for fun that those three bands that mentioned we were kind of like rock bands but we loved Dylan and the band and like the country sounding stone songs and that kind of stuff and it was like well let's go make that kind of music as this other thing as yeah. an outlet and we just had a blast it was wonderful um, that's cool and we did it for a couple of years our, our last show was the first down the line okay at the embassy so that was two, February 2007 and uh, felt like a great way to go out we played Songs about Dylan. So you guys are not a band anymore? Yeah, and we just tabled it for uh, about eight and a half years. I didn't know that. Okay. And all went on to the rest of our lives, you know. And uh, we got together again in December of 2014. So coming up on four okay, years, we... I swear you guys were this playing. This band... Yes, it was. Well, this other band. So Go Dog Go, the band that Chris and I were in, we hadn't played either. But we started... We did a couple of years where we did Christmas shows because a bunch of real buddies were in town. Sure. We did a matinee. We did like took over the Columbia Street Happy Hour. So it's mm-hmm. five to eight. See? Yeah. The theme here is I like to go to bed. <laughs> you like to go to bed. You're but, kind of an actor. Active guy, we noticed. I'm yeah, sure you like yeah. sleep. Yeah, I need need a little rest here and there. But we were doing that, and then our guitar player Phil Potts from the Train Hoppers came to that show and hopped on stage with us. And then like we're playing, and he whispers in my ear, "It's time to make the Train Hoppers second album." Because we had made one, and we kind of fell apart, like trying to figure out how to make the second one. Not quite ten years before, <laughs> it hadn't occurred to me that we would ever do that. We had lost a member, uh, had passed away, oh, and it was just like other t- things in our lives. Yeah. But it was just like when he said that, it was like, "It's exactly what I need right now," you know. I and uh, and then I would just watched him kind of lean over to Chris a little bit later in the song, <laughs> whisper in his ear, and then we did it. You know, we got together about a month later. Yeah. And actually then put out our second album 10 years to the month, February of 2016, 10 years to the month of our first. Oh, that's cool. You're making me feel less bad about the fact that we haven't done another album <laughs> yet with APQ. Yeah, yeah. Let it be like 
fine wine as it ages. <laughs> I feel like people, do you ever feel as an artist, you know, put your other stuff aside, but not even a venue owner or a marketing director, but an artist that people just are always pushing all the time. And it's kind of like when people get behind you and they're just pushing, sometimes the thing that brought them to you was born out of something organic. Yeah you know, in a different period of your life or just a different period of your creativity. And it's like, you can't just push, I mean, you want to push ahead and create, but at the same time, you can't do the same thing all the time. And, yeah. you know, like just produce albums, like like you got a whole company behind you. We're different and we were smaller in a community and stuff. Yeah, it's it's not different. an assembly line. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that. an assembly line. Yeah, yeah for it's sure. It's not Walmart. Yep, yeah. yeah. You know, what's been interesting for us is that we were, we're 10 years older, but it's so much more youthful now. It's more carefree. It's less mm -hmm. precious. It's more collaborative. We just see that we should just really kind of treasure this opportunity to do this together to be Enjoy together it. to create yeah. something you know at the heart of it you're you're just you're making stuff up you're playing make-believe you know in a way and it's like i don't know that we took that for granted but we were the first iteration we do have several songwriters in the band too which that's so handy people would kind of come in and it's like it's my song it's my song I'm here to learn <laughs> how to play it and you'd know that here's a phil song here's a dan song here's a chris song here's a matt song whatever and now it's you come in with unfinished, with ideas that you think you could be potentially a little embarrassed about or you're just not sure about yeah. and put it out there wanting people to beat it up and make it better and, and critique it and say but I hear this and what if we did this to it and it's been like super awesome for us I think it's been it's helped me here at work like with with the way that we look at work in progress it's helped me like talk to my kids about like yeah that uh, iteration of ideas is a good thing and that we don't have to just... Um, it's usually not good the first time yeah. you see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, to your point, Alicia, for us it's been like the exploration of ideas and like what's next for us sound-wise and, and seeking to evolve and evolving because we are evolving and the influences that we have has been like a really kind of I think fun journey for us to be. It sounds to be very on. organic. Yeah. It sounds like you're letting it happen. Yeah, happens? we were here last yeah. night. You know, it was just like we were here eleven forty-five. So you know, <laughs> proof I can almost make it till midnight. Almost. But it was just like really like it was a thing that started with one of us. I can't sing, so if I if it starts with me, there tends to be words and chords, but not probably a you know like a hook filled melody mm -hmm. yet. And so then the next week there was one night that just Chris and I get together, so we kind of took it to the next place. And then last night there were four of us, and so we're getting their input. And the thing is becoming like this really beautiful song. And next will be drums and bass, and it's just different each time. And I don't, I mean, I'm as a parent of. I've got a couple of teenagers, 13 and 14, that are like getting into expressing themselves. Like it's really an enjoyable, or it's enjoyable, but it's also, I think, an important thing for me to kind of share with them. Like, here's how and why this changed, and us being open to constructive feedback and new ideas and another perspective. And we tried this and it didn't work, but we came back, but at least we tried it and now we know. And I yeah. don't know, like just using it as a metaphor. It's interesting. Not being in your own silo and. Yeah. And, Closed like, off from the, your thoughts. motivation changes and your ego kind of gets dialed back. So creative collaboration yeah. becomes kind of the the thing that powers you. You want to go there and kind of see where this goes. Like you're saying, it's, it's like playtime almost. Yeah. You know, we don't know what this is going to turn out to be. But when you know, when you're younger and you have an art, you're, you're you're driven and you want to push to some specific goal and it has to sound a certain way or you're not happy with it or something. Yeah. And that's I mean, it's fun to watch that happen. And as we're getting older, it's like you almost enjoy the art more. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the, that side of it. And at the same time, you kind of realize like how not serious it, it can be, even as it is. You yeah. taking you're taking it very seriously. Yeah. So how do you 
you balance all of this? So well. you're, it sounds like <laughs> you were talking about was it middle waves down the line? There's a bunch of stuff that you had a hand in, in yeah. starting, and now you've got you know you're you're the owner of One Lucky Guitar. You got the B side. You're, you're back in the band making music again. Yeah. And, I asked this like, is this actually a practical question for us? Cause right, right, <laughs> right. community based, which means I know there's a lot of people coming to you asking for things too. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's neat. Tell us a little bit about middle, middle waves and the down the line. Yeah. How do you balance well, all this? Yeah, I mean, How did I that think, start? Uh, I don't know. You know, it's interesting. The balance question, like we did this thing as a team building exercise a few years ago where you get these, it's like a deck of cards that has 52 cards and they have different value statements on them mm -hmm. and you just start the, the challenge you get them all in front of you and it's like okay turn over half that are less important to you than the other half and that's you can do that get down to 26 you know and then mm -hmm. but the way it works is then it's like well okay of those remaining turn over half those and then it starts to get a little painful yeah and you try to get down to five and it's very painful at that point because you're having to choose between yeah know, like really things that are in your soul but it tends to be for me when like balance is about the first one I turn over. <laughs> you know? I, mean, I don't just I don't because my work is my like it, I don't have a real clear line between no, like, extracurricular activities or art or mm -hmm. community involvement or the business. Like it's all feeds itself and it's real blurry and things spill over so it's just to me it's been like wanting to feel like our time here is important and making a difference and and that's been part of like when you say how about middle ways down the line like part of it for us at OLG is I worked at another agency and freelanced at several kind of in between that first one and then starting that's OLG. kind of where I am now <laughs> yeah well I got to I felt like I was making money and not making a difference and this is again in the early 2000s so right when Fort Wayne was like at a real turning point between like is it a place you're just kind of dying to get out of or is it a, a place that um, is gonna like its story is changing and mm -hmm. more and more exciting things are happening and, and I didn't feel like we were I was part of that at my old gig and I thought I want that to be part of what we do here and what's important to us so in the earliest days it was, there was a thing at the Museum of Art called Club Art which was an awesome this is pre while and I aging mm -hmm. myself up here but it, it was like a Friday night thing and live music and beers and young professionals and it was like this is cool and people were coming in the museum that never went in the museum but it was marketed like you yeah. get the marketing materials for it and it, was, it felt like it was like a at the roller dome right it was like <laughs> I was like I was going to say I, you're I holding them, your hands like, can up can I design like this thing, thing right can I design this poster this flyer this thing and make it you said look really nice cool. right yeah you, you weren't yeah. like this sucks and I felt like this is our <laughs> chance this is our chance to make something that's really cool like it's visual presentation be yeah. and that's been just like part of what we've done so we've you know like Fort Wayne Trails or we've worked with Philharmonic or many organizations that in Fort Wayne that are part of like doing something incredible making sure their brand ultimately like tells that story and that's and and so that was one side of like community development for us and the other was like let's start making shows happen that we wish we could play basically and so and that you've was done the thing, that like, haven't you yeah i mean that was the thing like at columbia mm -hmm. street like when i look back i'm so thankful anytime the train helps get to play now like it's just like we're just full of gratitude that people would ask us to play a venue and then yeah. people would come and hear us. It's like, man, what? A, how cool is that? People um, love and you guys too. Well, well, and like it, I took it for granted before. So go dog go be playing Columbia Street on a Friday and it's just like, they got, I would catch myself, sometimes I hate to admit this, are we rolling? But I would like, <laughs> find myself watching Sports Center. Like it was just like, I'm so detached. I want to play a show where the music yeah. is the central 
thing. Um, so we started trying to create shows where that was the case or find shows <laughs> like that. And a lot of that was working with the dead at the time on block parties or, mm-hmm. you know, we when we started the, the series that, yeah, that led to the down the line. Improvement like, district for those who were Yeah, downtown improvement district. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we, it was, it was like, let's find shows that are all ages, that are about the music, that are about the community, that are about the culture. And if we have to create them, let's create them. You know, the embassy came to us, like, as a, they were like, hey, yeah. it's our 85th anniversary. We're going to, we want to do two events for that. We've got Martin Short. It's an $85 ticket, black tie event, but we want someone that gets new, new butts in the seats. Mm-hmm. And we pitched them the down the line idea. And it was like, at the time, it was like, wait, a local band on the embassy stage. And so, you know, that's now led to, you know, a dozen of those and raised that's you know, a really cool series yeah. and we, mean, and, and for yeah. us like we like to start help start things and then let, them, let grow. them grow and you know so we ran that for the first three for the embassy and then the fourth one we collaborated on it was like okay you guys know how to do this now and, and we weren't getting paid for it which is fine but sure. it was just like okay now you know how to do it it's a fundraiser for you it's important here's for your you. model go do it and, yeah. and they've it's been awesome and they've watched it evolve we came back and played the 10th anniversary of the train hoppers well it's your stuff. fault then that I started a second band because that's They're, how APQ Harmonic got started yeah was right. they commissioned APQ for uh, to choose a band we yep. chose TSO and that ended up right. we ended up creating a, a new band for yeah that. and we yeah. Just, I haven't been able to shut that band down yet. So. <laughs> it's all your fault. Thanks, Matt Kelly. Well, it's been like amazing. Like, that's my so it's for you to do that and to now what that's created for those musicians and for you and for the people you're able to perform for. It's like that's it's your been, fault. Well, <laughs> I think that's it's hilarious. like those. Like I still remember the first one, like just being just so. I mean, we were so thankful that the spotlights made it so you couldn't see anything out there because I think no band, no, no, no one was prepared to do it. It was like we're used to playing mm-hmm. Mid City Grill and the, you know the Voodoo Lounge, which is this dive next to Munchies and just like or Mad Anthony. So it was just like anyway, it's fun. And Middle Waves was kind of like like that kind of thing where it was like it felt like it was time and we had a team together that was like that's such a creative thing too just go for it I always love watching um, and I just saw her walk through my childhood friend Olivia her Instagram when she's working on middle wave stuff because she's the most creative little thing and it's like I know you have her involved and I don't know how you guys are still involved with it but just watching all the creative things you guys do for that like art wise visual what's Olivia's last name Fabian Fabian. O-Fabs I knew her when they were just doing swimsuits now she's like the palm queen and (laughs) uh, the earrings okay I'll tell you later yeah (laughs) Well, so that's kind of thing. Like we worked together here for five years, and you know the things that we do together here was like, how do you apply that to a? Well, her and I were in the first Thanksgiving play when we were five and six. There you go. Our friend's basement. So (laughs) I was uh, not John Snow. What's his name? John Smith. She was the the Indian chief. Oh yeah. We're gonna tease her about that later. (laughs) (laughs) No, but just the creativity you guys poured into that. You know. Yeah. You're like making a space for us growing up to enjoy that in this community. Well, and just being. I mean, I think for us too. It's just surrounding yourself with people who are glass half full, let's make it happen, let's figure it out, be very resourceful. And so that certainly middle waves, you know, that team that was a, a dozen folks on that kind of leadership committee that spent about 18 months on figuring out the first one. And that included networking with other festivals and traveling to them and, and uh, learning yeah. from our peers there. And just like, you know, the, the homework was done. It was still a yeah. risky thing to do, especially for an outdoor event. But like, you know, to have the sponsors come to the table that we did, it was like we had to be 
really serious about it, but also be pretty aggressive in trying to push the envelope of what might be expected about what could happen in that park. Yeah. And that's one part music program, and it's another huge part of it is the vibe, which is what Olivia really wanted. Yeah, all that visual art. Is it almost, art installations? Yeah, it's they almost, offer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, it, it, you know, the idea, the ultimate vision for Middle Waves is you buy a ticket before the lineup's even announced because you know the experience is going to be so great and curated so well. And that's cool, yeah. And it's but it's, friendly it too. was big. It's a big thing to take on. And so <laughs> she and I both, after the second year, just again felt like, okay, oh. <laughs> we've uh, done two and a half years on this at this point. And uh, there are folks really saying, give me more to do, give me more to do. And so we've kind of, I, yeah, I wouldn't say this about her. I think of myself as the Yoda in the, in the situation. <laughs> like, all right, you know, call if you, you get your call if you have a question. Go fight Darth call Vader. I'll coach from the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. love this idea of kind of blurring the lines and integrating the different parts of your life. And I'm just wondering, what would you say some of your biggest frustrations are when it's, I mean, it can be from One Lucky Guitar, or B-Side, or the, the music element, or any of the different festivals and stuff you're involved yeah. in. Well, I, I think it's getting better all the time, but I've often craved for, like, if this community had a dial, like, like on its adventurousness, if we were just, like, 5% more adventurous, like, trying to do something, like, if you think yeah. about that, if that means, like, doing something you've not done before, whether it's go to a play, or go to Center yeah. Center, or go see a particular kind of music. If you just did that, what do we get, 52 weekends a year, if you did that, you know, five more times. Yeah, it would be uh, a little more supportive. Wouldn't that be incredible on what you might experience and who you might yeah. be, find yourself around? There could be some geniuses out there that we, yeah. I mean, they're, they're writing great music, but people just aren't seeing them because sure. they're not going yeah. after the more experimental yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that with the B side, we would, for the longest, I just didn't want I wanted to minimize any barrier between somebody deciding to come to the show, including price. And so, you know, we're booking artists that are not necessarily household names. So if you've not heard of this person, even though they're charging 18 bucks a ticket the night before in Columbus, Ohio, here we're going to charge six. Mm -hmm. Just because I don't want you to say, well, my date and I can't come for 36 bucks, but for 12, well, yeah, okay, we'll just, we'll try it, you know? And so that, I'm glad we did that because that allowed us to build an audience and we've now gotten a little more responsible mm -hmm. with our pricing that we were still less than any market they are at the night before or the night after. But I also wish you didn't have to do that. Yeah. Know? And I know that's, that's part of something we all face is let's yeah. price something appropriate for the quality of the effort that goes into it. But then people are like, well, no, but what's the real price? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's harsh. <laughs> yeah. And you have a hard so, bargain in the Midwest yeah. sometimes on yeah. that. So. Yeah. yeah, and particularly, you know, I mean, we've, we've tried to make this a space where people can do things without the overhead of maybe, you know, we've had friends that have used it, mm -hmm. and we're just happy to give the keys over because they need a space to do something. So kind of rent-free, whether that's dance or poetry or some spoken word things. But when, even the train when we've done things in another venue, once you've got the venue fee and you're, you've got security and you've got sound and you've got, if there's some kind of catering, it's just like, man, you know, the, what the ticket needs to be before the artist is going to see any of that can be really prohibitive, you know, and it's, sure. it's like... Then you kind of do all the advertising <laughs> yeah, right. to sell those tickets, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> I did this once. Kind of, I, I think that, I think yeah. as a community, as we get more adventurous about, I'm going to go see something yeah. I've never seen before, I'm going to go to a place I've never been before, and that extends beyond music and arts too but yeah well i think places like the b-side are going to help with that because the more people go out and have positive experiences when they don't know going into it what's going to happen yeah that you're kind of training them to say okay well let's go see the next one and maybe yeah. we'll like it just as much yeah. that kind of leads into the next question which is what what are your thoughts about the music scene in fort wayne just in general and how do you see the b-side fitting into that yeah 
Well, I think it's it's awesome. I mean, it's really exciting. So I'm like just right in the heart of Gen X. You know, like mm -hmm. I moved back from school in '96, and so there was a there was like a negative stretch there at the end of the '90s of people just like complaining about it. And there's nothing happening, and, and like the the good shows were happening in people's basements, right? Mm -hmm. They weren't happening. There wasn't an appetite for them in a, a more commercial establishment. So getting to kind of watch that change has been really tremendous. And I've always thought like the brass rail is the shouldn't call it the silver lining or the what would be inappropriate <laughs> it's the beer soaked uh, lining of the Parkview Field story which is because you know the two guys who bought the rail and opened it were daydreamers who would travel all the time to see concerts that were not coming to Fort Wayne band touring bands that there was not a venue for them to play in Fort Wayne and to make Parkview Field the city had to acquire property that included the homes of these two buddies and, oh, wow. and so then they had suddenly revenue mm -hmm. and they said let's buy that dive bar down the way the and make it the venue we've always be. wished we had here and yeah and I think that's been like I've just been very encouraged to see that and see the performers that have come through and the way they've expanded genre wise too and like yeah um, but they still open up for locals too yeah which is sure. awesome yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's led to other venues like that that are doing, I think, more adventurous programming. And so I feel like I feel really positive right now. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think that that now we have this kind of with the arrival of the Clyde that could have. 40, 50 shows in a year. So yeah. you know, now the, the flip side is, okay, Fort Wayne, how big's your appetite? Right? Yeah. Like, We're gonna find can out. we support all of these things? And I think this past summer was an example of that where the Clyde was very busy. You have a busy festival season, block parties, Fort Wayne Theater. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just a lot going on. I'm sure you guys find this too. Like, oh, so yeah. I think we're to the point where we still have the embassy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stuff yeah. I think we're like, time. when we've done album releases and special events, if we do them in February compared to like July, whole different story. I'm like, you know, it's nice <laughs> yes. to be the only thing going on. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. January and February Isn't is a great funny? time now, to release music. And... Getting all wistful when there was nothing to do. Now there's so much to do. There is a lot. Yeah. Definitely. So what are some of your favorite memories of, it can be anything, B-side train hoppers? Oh, <laughs> well, you know, I just think this, the room we're still recording is in the B-side. Like, it's just mm -hmm. really, it's funny to me to be in, like, for this to be a venue like this. The first time I was ever in this building was before I was a tenant. It had just been open. This whole block we're on, kind of abandoned warehouses that flooded. And so they finished this one to kind of show, like, what could be done, mm -hmm. like, from a revitalization standpoint. And yeah. there was an event here called Pop Filter that was kind of a multimedia art event over the whole building. Jeanette Liu was involved with that, who helped start Wild Nine, moved to Toronto about a decade ago. But this, we got asked to play that, and we played in this room. Oh, wow. And I remember, like, not knowing, like, even how to get up here. We got lost in the building. But it was a weird, like, just funky event. It was one of those events, like, where you say, I don't feel like I was in Fort Wayne. And, of course, that's the statement we want to just get rid of forever. You know, mm -hmm. we'll still hear that with B-Side and other things that we're involved with. Oh, I didn't feel like I was in Fort Wayne. It's like, let's when we get to the point where no one ever says that again, where you go we'll to something, successful. you go, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I love being in Fort Wayne because that happened. So it's just like this, I love story. And so the story of then like a year later, me renting space in here in a different part of the building, which I never would have known of this building if it wasn't for that event. Mm-hmm. 
and then eventually like then this becoming a venue that has housed performances that I never thought I would see in Fort Wayne whether they're musicians that I've admired forever that we got to say yes to come here or again events that we've not produced that have happened in here it's like boy what a cool thing to be part of the magic that's happened and the connections that have been made mm-hmm. yeah. it I was cool that, I mean, it was even surreal sitting here at the show you had us uh, guests yeah. is that Peter yeah Peter Bradley Adams yeah and so that yeah you know, just sitting here, we're listening to the songs. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. We heard these on Californication. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't know. I, until you're sitting here, and you're like, the guy's right there. They wrote that song. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's strange. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it was a neat bit, moment they, there. They did yeah. that neat thing at the end, too, where they kind of, like, turned off their microphones and just stood out yeah. and did it unplugged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was just fun. It was yeah. just, Well, it was, that's a good example. So that that ours, that night was a, a friend of ours was the promoter on that because we had a show the night before too which we typically try to keep at least a couple weeks apart because we don't want to compete with ourselves on it and Mm -hmm. Mark who's come to a lot of shows here and has done a couple he's like he doesn't want to be a promoter like he just wants to break even but this artist that he admired was in the Midwest and he's like can I do it at the B-side and we're like yeah let's let's make it happen you know Mark will help you with the infrastructure of it and everything and and so trying to be just be supportive of of that kind of thing when it comes up that's cool it was neat. That was really, we really enjoyed that. Yeah. Your acoustics in here are really good too. Yeah, remarkably, because we haven't, Dennis mentioned at the end of that show, they unplugged and just sang in the room, which that's how, mm-hmm. you know, the first couple of years, we had 30 shows like that where we didn't even have a PA. Wow. Oh, it was. That's cool. So all this traffic, you know, listeners are hearing yeah. it now, but that's that became part of the show. Be sirens, be rain, and it, um, Still, we'll have maybe a quarter of the artists will say, "I don't need a PA. I'm I'm going to kind of get out into the crowd and do it, or I, uh, it's going to be so whispery quiet." Yeah, and that's just pure magic. And then we've invested in kind of a small sound system. As over the years, we'll bring in outside sound for you know. There's a certain you know touring artists will require certain things to exceed our. Yeah. experience so we want to make sure we're responsible on those ends well, everybody wants something yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you know nothing yeah, about that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness yeah so no. tell us about the plans we're coming up on time here tell okay. us about the the vision for the future next three five years you know we've been just tickled to be part of the momentum here I think in downtown and intend mm-hmm. to continue to be part of that you know you mentioned like where's b-side fit in the fabric of of mm-hmm. the venue it's, it's pretty really great to see more and more venues and more opportunities and, and we'll have continue to have our niche of a real performer centric space that's super intimate and not distracted by other things I think OLG continues to grow and do more and more interesting like really kind of brand focused thing you know we, you mentioned earlier marketing firm we, we call ourselves a boutique creative agency so you might need a website you might need an advertising campaign you might need a documentary film mm-hmm. you might need an event developed and then executed and, and we're like the team for that, which is doing you know, freelance my marketing team. myself. So, I have yeah, to yeah, not yeah, use those terms because <laughs> I just lose everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the band, we're just super excited. So we 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 did make two albums kind of back to back once we got together, and we're in the midst of. I think the songs are written for the next one. Cool. And it's a matter now of where and how do we want to record it. We recorded one here in the B side, which is awesome. Felt very kind of Dylan and the band basement tapes ish because we were here mm-hmm. in our own space and comfortable. And but also sometimes comfort's not maybe good for that. And so this most recent record we made it off the cuff, which was an incredible experience. And so now we're looking at like 
okay, what's next? Is it some combination of the two? Do we do we go pop up a rig in the middle of the GE campus and do like field recordings or? Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. yeah. But super excited about how the songs are coming. That's really cool. It's yeah. incredible. It's yeah. so much fun to hear more detail about all the things you're involved oh, with. Thanks. I see you, your hand in so many things, and it always makes me happy. Oh, um, just because I know you care about you. the community, and that's kind of at our heart with with Pile Style. It's keeping it local. Yeah. Yeah, it so, like you're you're kind of somebody we should look up to, or we do yeah. look up to oh. for doing. We be our Yoda too. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to build community, and we're yeah. trying yeah. to have the different. This is like this podcast, focused. and it's like, okay, is this going to make money? No, but. Yeah. Not directly, no, but it's still right. part of the, the overall philosophy and it's something that we want to be part of and we want to get running. So, yeah. What are you excited about for the holidays coming up? This will come out right after, like, I think a week after Thanksgiving. So, oh, is that right? But yeah. then, uh, so what do you think? Yeah, well, I guess. What are you excited yeah. about? Well, so we do a show. So once the band reformed, which I told you was December of 2014, so in December of 2015, we spent a year writing new songs and not playing, just doing mm-hmm. it in this room. And so December of 2015, we did our first shows in the B-side, and we've done them now, so this will be the fourth year. We call it the kiss-off. And it's the okay. kiss-off to the year, and so December 20th, train hoppers are here with uh, Ellen Remnant. Oh, cool. Playing with us. And uh, then we have a great show the following week. First show of 2019 is Kim Ritchie, who's a singer-songwriter, who's awesome, will be here. And then in the middle of January, the 15th, we have Raylan Baxter that we're presenting at the Brass Rail. But he's played here three times. Mm-hmm. First time I had to beg people to come. No one knew who he was. I knew him because I bought the lucky guitar from his dad. And then he's gotten bigger and bigger, and now second two shows here are sold out, including the third one like sold out a month in advance. And now... He, it's like, he's too big for the, you know, he's B-side graduate. B-side, B-side graduate. So, <laughs> cool. so that's pretty cool to see. And we're excited about all that. So some good shows coming up. Um, yeah. Where can they find information about all this? Yeah. What websites good. would you like yeah. to direct so you to? Yeah, so com. Again, that's all about the, uh, the creative agency side of who we are and the 10 amazing folks I get to work with. And then the B-side, FW, B-side, FW, we now have a standalone B-side website. Okay, launched, I think I saw month. that this week. Yeah. Congratulations. We'll throw yeah. some links on Yeah, yeah. yeah. The train hoppers are on Facebook and social media. Guys that I get to hang out with in that band and the people I get to work with here is like the real amazing part of any of the stuff that I'm involved with from a professional or extracurricular. Sounds like you have a good team. Yeah. 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 Good track. Very very supportive uh, fam. Did did we miss anything? Did you want to throw anything in? You guys are awesome. Thanks. All right. That was fun. That was enlightening. It was. Thank you for your time. (laughs) All right. Good. Thanks. Thank Uh, you. We're on iTunes and Stitcher now if you want to sign up there, or you can go down in the box if you're on the blog and uh, just type in your email, and we'll send you all the episodes right in your inbox. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. At a B side show. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.